Class of 2011, congratulations. I, I'm so grateful to be here to congratulate you. And uh, I think we ought to give Sue Calvis a hand on these videos. She's been working really, really hard. <laughs> Something like uh, 36 hours with no sleep, I think. That's what it took to, uh, to finish these off amid some computer crashes. So uh, she did a great job. Graduates, today, you've probably heard this before, but it's, it's not an end. Graduating high school is an accomplishment, but you're going on to a new chapter, a new beginning. You've been, you've been formed and taught and prepared and educated by your experiences, your pastors, your teachers, and your parents. You've been set on a direction with the Word of God planted in your hearts. However, like the rest of us, myself included, it's difficult to keep in that direction, to stay on the path, the, the foundation, the underpinning, which you've been built on, which you are trusting in right now. That underpinning is Jesus Christ. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. He is your foundation. He is your underpinning. By trusting in Him as your personal Savior, that He died for your sins, and bore the penalty for the guilt that you had for your sin, being born in sin, when you trusted in Him as your Savior, you entered into new life. And you're standing on this foundation, on the rock, Jesus Christ. However, like the rest of us, it's not easy. We're tempted by doubts and doubters. We're tempted by the things of this world. Some of you might be thinking right now that what this world has to offer may be more appealing than the life you've been leading for the last 18 years. It may seem attractive. It may seem like when you look out at your friends at school or maybe those a couple of years ahead of you and, and they're going around and living the good life and you think, hey, is this Christian thing really worth it? Maybe you think you might be satisfied with a beautiful spouse and a snazzy family and a big house. And that, yeah, that would be the life. Maybe some of you think that... Uh, when you get out of here and you go into college and you're making $100,000, $200,000 a year, that would be the life. Then you'd have peace of mind. Some of you might be thinking that if you have a successful, flourishing ministry with thousands of people coming in the doors to hear you preach or teach or sing, ah, that would be the life. And Then you'd have peace of mind. The temptations, the, the gauge, the evaluation tools that the world uses so often we apply to the Christian life. Think about it. Are you healthy? Are you wealthy? Are you at ease? Are you comfortable? And somehow we think that the Christian life is supposed to offer us those things too. And so we end up looking for a different underpinning, a different foundation to stand on. Yeah, we, we, I believe you all trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior. But when you go into this new chapter of life, all the more the temptation is to step off 
No, you won't lose your salvation. That's impossible because God has secured you. But you're tempted to just walk away, to backslide, maybe just to try out the attractions of the world. Maybe that's a dismal view, but all the rest of us, I think we can not our heads, the temptation is there all the time. Me too. Pastors are not exempt. In fact, maybe we get an extra dose. And so for you, I want to ask you this question. What's your underpinning? When you're tempted to trust in other things or to go down a different road, what are you going to stand on? What are you going to trust in in that moment? My brother and I, when I was 14 and he was 10, we uh, went out to a river near our house. And it was a bitter, cold, late December day. It had been cold for a couple weeks running. And we, Stephen and I, were anxious to lace on our hockey skates for the new season. So we decided to walk down this river. It was only a few hundred yards away. And test out the ice. I decided to leave my boots on for the trial run. Stephen, my younger brother, decided, I'll bring my skates down. So we went down to the river and we were going down the center of this river. Now this isn't a creek. This is a tributary of the St. Clair River, which runs between Lake Huron and, and um, Saint, Lake St. Clair. Thank you. It's been a long time since I've been in Michigan. This river, the Pine River, is 60 to 80 feet wide and 30 to 40 feet deep with a strong current. Keep that in mind. We're going 200 yards down the center of the river going, yeah, you know, nobody else around. I mean, there's woods on both sides of this river. You have a couple sticks with us. We're pounding on the ice. Yeah, I think this looks great. Yeah, this is great. Let's go get our stuff. So we went back down the river to the trail that would take us home to get our hockey, stuff, our hockey equipment. And about 10 feet from the shoreline, I decided to get one more trial run. So I went, oh, yeah, this is great, Stephen. And just at the moment when I yelled out, yeah, this is great, I went crashing through the ice. I went plunging through the ice. You're not going to get the end of the story yet. Sometimes we're tempted to skate out on thin ice instead of the foundation, the ground wherein you're standing right now. It seems okay. It seems like a good foundation. It seems like it's strong, looks strong. Hold my weight for 200 yards and back. Why not? When the questions develop in your mind, maybe by a skeptical friend or professor or parent or neighbor, and you can't answer it. Are you going to trust in your own intellect or rationale rather than Jesus Christ? When the temptation comes for maybe immorality or for a whole myriad of attractions, success, wealth, material gain, whatever it is, you have this decision to make. Am I going to trust in this underpinning that I'm standing on? Or go another direction. I'm talking about the walk of following Christ, sanctification here. Not to confuse justification with, the, um, with this, but what you do in the Christian life. Makes sense? If you could turn with me to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. We're going to find here how we might answer this question. What is our underpinning? What is going to be the underpinning for your life? Maybe some of you here tonight haven't trusted in Jesus Christ and you aren't standing on that foundation. 
And I want you to listen carefully to this passage. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, but there's a huge gathering of people that have come near to overhear what he's saying. A multitude of followers who have been coming to Jesus Christ to get healed from their ailments, to follow the miracle worker. And some of them believe, some of them maybe not believe, but they're following Jesus around. And so this huge multitude of people, this crowd is gathered, and Jesus is in a mountain. Now keep that in mind. He's probably sitting on a rock or standing on rocks. The disciples are probably sitting around on rocks. And these other people, probably thousands, are gathered around listening. People that may have come to Jesus for something other than salvation. He says in verse 46 of Luke chapter 6, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you to do? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who digs deep and and laid the foundation on the rock. And he's standing on a rock. It's not moving anywhere. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house. And he could not shake it. Because it had been, been built on a rock. It had been well built. Verse 49, but, and he's speaking to some in the crowd and some here tonight, the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground. Who built a house on the ground without a foundation at all. No foundation. Can you imagine? Throwing a wood frame on dirt. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. When my uh, family and Stephanie and Hudson, my mom, my dad, my sister, and I headed down to Dallas, Texas for my seminary commencement, we passed through a flood zone that we had no idea existed. We had heard about Mississippi, Alabama, and parts of Tennessee being flooded. When we got to Arkansas, we were traveling on I-40, a major interstate between Memphis and Little Rock. And I-40 turned out to be totally shut down because of the recent floods. And they had directed all the traffic, semi-trucks, little cars, mopeds, motorcycles, Toyotas. Everybody went off in this Arkansas countryside on a two-lane highway which had flooded ground on both sides of it for miles. It took us about six hours to get around this big mess. And I remember when we were passing by these little villages, and we saw houses totally flooded right up to the rooftops. We drove past uh, church parking lots, which happened to be like on the crest of a little hill, and people were camping out there filling sandbags to try to get ready for the next flood when the Mississippi crested or when they were ready to blow the the next levee. I remember back when I went to do Hurricane Katrina relief, remember the home of Jefferson Davis was right on the shoreline near Biloxi, Mississippi, when a similar flood occurred. 
And the homes that we drove past this year were totally wiped out. But I remember seeing a picture of that home of Jefferson Davis. It was an extremely old home, built before the Civil War. And the entire first floor had been wiped out. But the house was still standing. In fact, I imagine they probably have the entire thing refurbished by now. And this is kind of the picture here. One who builds on the rock. The foundation, the underpinning of Jesus Christ is secure. But he's secure by what? He is the man who comes to me and hears my words and does them. In contrast with the man who hears the words and does his own thing. This man hears the words of Jesus Christ and acts on them. He trusts in the righteousness of Christ. He believes that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He continues to walk according to the way and will of Christ. Explained here explicitly in Scripture. This is our guide. If you want to know the will of God, this is the will of God. 66 books. You read this and you'll know the will of God for your life. It doesn't necessarily come, as Kevin DeYoung said, through... uh, through some kind of stomach pain or through uh, lots of blood, sweat, and tears, sometimes it comes simply by reading this book and determining what the Bible says and knowing what God's will is according to what the Bible says. And so to tonight, I want to ask you, what is your underpinning? Are you trusting in Jesus Christ and will you continue to trust in Him and believe that this foundation on which you've been built and formed and educated and what you believe tonight, will that be what you will continue to trust for the rest of your lives? I believe you will. I believe you will. No matter what facet or vocation or career you go into, some of you might be missionaries, some of you might be dentists, a few of you might be dentists, (laughs) you of you might be uh, accountant, uh, pilot pastor, teacher the temptations will still come but when that comes will you act on the word of God you see your belief is demonstrated by your actions what you believe about Jesus Christ is shown through what you do. So you can hear the words all day long, and Jesus was saying to people in the crowd, why do you call me Lord, Lord? I mean, this is the word for Lord, Master. They're calling Him Lord. They're calling Him their Master, yet they don't listen to what He's saying. I'm tempted to give in and not listen to what God has to say. And you will be too, just like the rest of us. So decide tonight. Decide tonight that you will stand on the rock, the foundation of Jesus Christ, and listen to what he has to say. And that goes into studying this book. Howard Hendricks, one of my favorite profs down at Dallas, he said, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. Don't let things keep you from this book. This is your guide. God's revelation, how God has revealed himself through the pages of scripture to you. 
stay in it. Follow it. Flee from sin. Run to God. Follow the righteous path. Follow the path of life. And you will be secure. Life's underpinning is the Word of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Walk in relationship with Him. Be careful. Unlike me, who went out on the the river, and sometimes it's like we see people out there, and they're walking around on this, this glazed surface. They have no idea the collapse that's coming. When the stream broke against that house, to reiterate, it says, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. In 1 Timothy chapter 1.19, Paul's talking about one who is, is following Christ. It turned around and made a shipwreck of his life. I don't want to see that happen to any of you. I believe it won't. And we'll be praying that you follow Christ. You remain steadfast. When you're walking around in the world, it's, it's tempting to step out. Because you see people and you say, they look like they're having fun. Why not try it? It's tempting to skate out on thin ice and to believe something other than you've been taught, something other than you believe, rather than acting on what you believe. So act on what you believe rather than simply resting back on what you know or your own intellect, which is not always trustworthy. The underpinning of your life must be Jesus Christ. For those of you here tonight who maybe don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to encourage you, if there's any way possible tonight to persuade you to believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, to wipe away the guilt that is yours because we've all been born in sin. Believe on Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead to pay the penalty. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23 says. But through Jesus Christ our Lord, we can have eternal life. And now for us on this path, following Jesus Christ, demonstrate your belief by acting on what you believe and remaining steadfast on the underpinning of Jesus Christ. That will be my prayer, Stephanie's prayer for you as you go out in this new chapter of your life. So to conclude my story, I crashed through the ice and fortunately, by God's grace, I was only about eight feet from shore and there was a tree going out over the river about a few feet in front of me. And my brother climbed out over the tree on his hands and knees. He's only 10 years old. And I was frantically dog paddling 100 miles an hour. I didn't even get below my, probably my chest in the water because as soon as I went through, I was like, I'm going to (laughs) die! Besides, it was really, really cold. And Stephen said, Michael, there's a tree branch right in front of you. So I kind of paddled over, grabbed on the tree branch, and pulled myself out. My brother saved my life because I was just panicked. And if I had, I was just thinking about this. If I had sunk underneath that ice, I would have been gone. There's no way I would have been able to swim back against that current.
and I ran all the way back home because <laughs> it was really cold. We will be willing to go out there and find you if you're walking around on glazed ice and you're about ready to crash through. I will go out and find you if I have to, but I'd rather you stay on the foundation of Jesus Christ. He is your underpinning, your foundation. You can be secure in him. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, this new chapter and these graduates' lives. May you bless them, may you encourage them, may you incite faith in them to believe for greater achievements for your glory, greater goals for your glory. May they realize that serving you and living for you is the most satisfying thing they can do. That they can be secure in your Son as they act on what they believe. Through Jesus Christ, our matchless Savior, we pray. Amen.